This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. In the wonderful film The 40-Year-Old Version, playwright Rada Blank plays a variation on herself. In the film, the fictional Rada, frustrated by a stall in her theater career, finds a new passion. She becomes a rapper. It's about getting older, getting honest, and yes, finding yourself. The film is so good that we recently added it to the Black Film Canon, a list of the best films by Black directors that we updated in partnership with Slate. And you can watch it on Netflix. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Linda Holmes. And in this encore episode of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, we're talking about the 40-year-old version. It's so good. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Here with me and Aisha from her home in Brooklyn is Daisy Rosario, an executive producer at Stitcher with a new show, All American Tiger Woods, which is out now. Hi, Daisy. Hi, I got to say hi to both of you. Hi, Aisha. Hi, Linda. Exciting. <laughs> hey, Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> and also here from her home in San Antonio, Texas, we're delighted to have writer Kiana Fitzgerald. Hi, Kiana. Hey, guys. Good to be back always wonderful to see all of you, I must say. <laughs> and we've been talking about this movie. It's been kind of on all of our radar for a while because of the win at Sundance. And I know that, Aisha, I know you were really psyched to see this movie before it came out. What did you think? Well, I actually saw it at the premiere at Sundance. And the thing about going to festivals is that you're constantly just watching movie after movie after movie and the days are very long. And often at these festivals, the movies can be kind of dark or gritty and depressing. And this movie was Uh such a breath of fresh air to experience and to witness. I first became familiar with Rada Blank when I actually interviewed her on my old podcast, Represent. A few years ago, we talked about her work on She's Gotta Have It, the TV series adaptation of the Spike Lee movie. And she was a writer on that show. And, you know, one of my critiques of that show was that so many of the people who worked on it seemed to not understand what it might mean to be like a 20-something Brooklynite. It felt like it was written by older people you know, writers. And and I think the writer's room was mostly people in their late 30s and early 40s. And I think what makes this work so well is that it is clearly coming from Rada's point of view and perspective. And while she does take a lot of elements from Spike Lee, and that's been one of the biggest comparisons, you know, Spike Lee's earliest movies, as well as Woody Allen movies and like A Love Letter to New York, she infuses it with such a modern sensibility. And the dialogue just feels really, really I hate to use the word authentic, but it just feels like it comes from a place that like she understands really, really well. There's a great relationship between her and her students. Like part of her role is that she is, you know, a 
quote unquote failed playwright who now teaches. And her high school students, their banter and their interaction, having myself worked with high school students before, felt so real <laughs> in the way in which they kid <laughs> with her and they make fun of her, but they also clearly admire her. And I just really felt it was a really well done film and it's fun and delightful and I want to recommend it to everyone I know. Daisy, what'd you think? I love a lot of things about it, but I think ultimately at its core, what I love the most was that it really goes to show and really proves in a way that we have unfortunately not experienced enough that coming of age stories are truly universal. Like I was watching it going, yeah, it's not just that this is well done and this character is somebody that I'd like to see more of and that there's a ton of New York stuff that just totally hit me in the gut as like a native New Yorker who has done theater and like all of those stuff. All of that was true. But just the way that she's not always likable and she changes over time and you come to understand what is actually going on with her and what she's in denial of and all of those things that make coming of age movies great. Like to me, this is just such a great example of how universal those themes truly are. And I want to see more of that from all different kinds of people and voices and people who have different journeys in general, you know? Yeah, I agree. Kiana, what'd you think? Well, I did not know what to expect. I wasn't familiar with Rada before this film, even though I had watched the She's Gotta Have a TV series. I didn't know that she worked on it. So this was my introduction to her. And I thought it was going to be corny. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be just, you know, like a, a bucket of treacly little like, oh, you know, freestyles in Brooklyn and Harlem. And, you know, I didn't really know what to expect in that respect. But she blew me away. I thought it was a fantastic film. I thought that it was incredibly well executed from as has been already mentioned, the relationship with the students, the reality of not facing your own reality when you have like a parent pass away and you don't want to deal with it. The poverty porn, like, you know, just all these different aspects that I haven't seen brought to light in a film in a while. You know, even though there were some moments where I was screaming out of embarrassment, overall, it was just a really, really joyful watch. And the moments that were a little bit difficult to watch were made better by all the, the elements around it. From the moment she started rapping, I was like, okay, like, as someone who covers hip hop, you know, as a career, I was very, very um, hesitant to walk into that with her. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I see you. All right. So I really enjoyed it. And I just can't wait to see more from Rada. Yeah, you know, one of the things I really liked about it was my experience with rappers is not such that I would sit there and be like, I shall now judge whether she's a good rapper or not. Mm -hmm. But I think to the film, it's not important that you accept that she is like a prodigy rapper or like a miraculous rapper. I think you just have to understand that she has some skill at it and she really loves it and it brings a different part of her to life. And so yeah. I, I appreciated right. the fact that it wasn't one of those things where like every time she begins to rap, everyone is like, oh my gosh, who is this? It's not that sort of level because so often that goes awry and it also sets you up as the creator to put up fictional work that doesn't justify the plot around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really important about it is I come to this as somebody who has been through a few different phases of, of what I was going to do creatively. And I think 
it really gets at that feeling of like when you discover a, a new thing that means something to you, you, it's not as if like by the time you're 40, you've settled into everything about yourself and you're done evolving and changing. And I think a lot of people... If you think about like when I was 10, did I think my parents were still these evolving individuals? You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people I think don't. And one of the things I loved about it is that she is such an unusual heroine, unfortunately, for films in so many ways. It's not just that she's a black woman. It's not just that she's 40. It's not just that she's a bigger size woman. It's all of those things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the film is not obsessed with that. She just is who she is. And I appreciated so much the fact that she was able to be such a, you know, as Aisha said, the word authentic sounds kind of terrible when you try to approach somebody's work. But what I would say is it is specific. It feels like She's a particular person. She's not a type of person. And also what I loved was it's so funny. And she's so funny, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying about the fact that she is all of those things, but it's not about any one of them was something that really struck me about kind of all of the topics that she ends up bringing up. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that rang painfully true to me of um, dealing with more mm -hmm. elite, if you will, artistic institutions and the way that they speak to you. I'm trying to like say this in a spoiler free way because I really want people to be able to just dig in and enjoy it. But it also manages to address those things head on and not be about that either. Like it just was such a well done balance of acknowledging all of these things that are going to be partially true about her life and partially true of our expectations coming in as an audience. And it never felt right. like she gave too much of any of that based on what she thought other people would need. It just feels real, real true to whatever she really wanted to express. She also has like this very keen eye just as a director artistically and as a first-time director. There are so many moments where the movie could have really hammered home the point that she's trying to make in a very obvious way. And instead, she'll use instead like a moment where it'll flash an image on the screen while they're talking about something. And yeah. it'll sort of signal that understanding mm -hmm. of the relationship to the other character in the scene or to her character and her family. One of the things that I sometimes find myself doing and try not to do too much, especially with, you know, Black women filmmakers, is we always talk about the identity and, and all those things. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to signal that she has a firm grasp as a director as well, aesthetically. Yeah, it's exactly. It's just technically strong, right? Like we were saying, her dialogue is also fantastic. And it's it just is technically strong in all of those ways that you want to make sure it gets heard because you don't want it to get lost in the novelty of what the story is. It really is just a well-made piece of work that is genuinely so enjoyable and had me reacting in so many ways. I mean, Keanu, when you were saying like the embarrassment and things like that, I mean, I felt like I went into it also being a little worried about like corny or like what's going to happen. And then, you know, the little bits of poverty porn they were hinting at, I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. what, what's happening here? And then when I started yeah. getting into those moments of embarrassment was I was realizing like, oh my God, I'm physically reacting to this so much. Like it has got me in a way that, mm -hmm. you know, quite honestly, in 2020, like a lot of people, I'm watching a lot of stuff I'm familiar with. And this felt like one of the first things where I genuinely was able to just be so lost in this person's story because it felt so real. Yeah, it feels yeah. so fresh to me. It feels mm -hmm. so kind of lively to me. To me, it's such a warm voice, but also her critique of certain things is so 
cutting. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) The critique here of theatrical establishment in New York, Mm -hmm. not just Broadway, but, you know, theater in general, whether it's regional theater or whatever, the critique Mm. of that and the specific critique of white audiences and producers trying to deal with plays written by black writers and the the way oh my gosh i you just have to see it it's talk about agonizing yeah kiana i wanted to ask you to what did you think about the kind of um representation of kind of music world and music producers and stuff like that oh wow i thought it was pretty true to life um <laughs> especially the studio scenes i thought that they were well executed because as a hip hop writer, I've been in my fair share of studios and like you walk in, people are spoken, people are trying to rap, not rapping very well. And then you kind of have like the guy who's engineering or producing who just kind of has to be there through it all. That's the character D. And, you know, he's very quiet and he doesn't say much, but he knows a lot. And, you know, even, and I don't want to spoil, I know we're like trying to hold back here, but just the moment where she falls asleep on the couch and <laughs> and she wakes up like, what happened? Like, that could totally happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I thought that that was great. I thought the ciphers that they had, the battles that they had were very well executed. I keep saying that because it, it was just so well done. I was pleasantly surprised by how Rada was able to like bring these authentic, there's the word, <laughs> moments together and just kind of like make everybody home in on these moments that you wouldn't necessarily be familiar with if you weren't like a hip hop writer or someone who works in that world. So I think that she did a really great job with that. I also just appreciate the fact that so much of Rada's insecurities about entering that world of hip hop, because she wants to do it, but she's also scared to because she's you know, nearing 40, she's a woman, she's a heavier woman. There's all these things that she like imparts on herself, but like everyone around her is very supportive. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how true to life that is. Obviously, Black women in hip hop deal with so many obstacles and whatnot. But I think on a local level, at least seeing the way in which there's a scene where she's backstage with a bunch of other rappers and she just like spits a freestyle and they're just like, yeah, you're really good. Like, yeah, I love seeing that mm-hmm. camaraderie and that that like mm-hmm. affection and love for for what hip hop can be. I also want to give a shout to Peter Kim, who plays her her yes. best friend and yeah. agent Archie. Yes, at this point, doing the gay best friend is really really difficult. Doing that in a way that feels interesting and not a cliche. The thing is, there are elements of it that do feel like the familiar idea of gay best friends in in movies about women. But he pushes the edges of that characterization and is so supportive of her, but also you kind of feel he's not always where you want him to be if you love and support this journey that she's on. But I think the love in that relationship is so mm-hmm. palpable and so important and is sustaining to her. And they wind up being able to kind of challenge each other about some of the things that they're both doing with their lives, which I think is really important in friendships. And I just think he's tremendous in that part. I think he, again, is really funny. Mm-hmm. He's really, like, energetic, but also, like, really lovable. And the, as I said, just the affection in that friendship is so charming to me. I mean, honestly, everyone in this film is so well cast. Um, Oswin Benjamin, who plays D, who is the producer that we mentioned earlier in the studio, and all the students. I just, I don't know. I, it's really hard to make a movie like this 
like Hannah was saying, that doesn't feel corny in a way. And I think the casting really helped make this just feel so tight. And the delivery, just like there's just so mm-hmm. much good like beats and moments. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I really loved it. I was delighted. And again, it's on Netflix. You can find it there. We want to know what you think about the 40-year-old version. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. This episode is produced by Mike Katzif and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.